Hello, and welcome to the Elk River Lutheran Church Powered by Love podcast, recorded in beautiful downtown Elk River, Minnesota, right on the banks of the Mississippi River. Today we'll explore the Bible, life, and faith. So sit back, relax, and enjoy some sacred wit. To be powered by love is a spiritual thing, more than a feeling. To be powered by love Don't take money Don't take fame Don't take no credit card To ride this train It's strong and sudden It's cruel sometimes But it might just save Your life To be powered by love So in Jesus' time It was common for Rabbis to teach their disciples how to pray, and often to teach them a particular prayer that was both a prayer for them to pray regularly, but also a prayer that summarized the rabbi's overall teachings and the overall message he wanted to communicate. And so for the disciples that followed Jesus, that prayer is what we call the Lord's Prayer, a prayer that I'm guessing many of us here memorized at some point along the way. Maybe if you're like me without even realizing you memorized it. All of a sudden, it's just there. I don't remember ever sitting down with it and memorizing it, but it's there. And so I'm wondering if we could just start by praying together this prayer. If you have it memorized, gold star, you win. That's great. Uh, Otherwise, I'm going to put the words on the screen here as well. Uh, And uh, let's start by praying together this prayer, hearing these words once again, because then we're going to dig into the meaning behind them. What was Jesus's teachings that tie into this? So uh, you can close your eyes if you got it memorized, or you can uh, take a peek up here as well. But let's pray together our Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Well, so this is the meaningful prayer that a lot of us have prayed in a lot of different circumstances and a lot of different places. Uh, In church, maybe at a wedding, at a funeral, uh, maybe on a Sunday morning, Christmas, Easter, but not just at church, but also maybe at home or in a hospital room or in the car driving somewhere. It's a prayer that's so core to our Christian faith that those words become familiar to a lot of us as we get into the habit of praying them often. But like I said, this is also a prayer of teaching where Jesus teaches his disciples using these words. And so uh, we can dig in. We could really go through this prayer word for word and dig into, and many people have. But we'd be here all day if we did. Uh, So I'm just going to pick three phrases from this prayer that we can uh, reflect on a little bit together Then encourage you, if you want to read more, there's a lot out there about the Lord's Prayer and the depth of meaning behind it. So the first one I want to look at is this, Our Father who art in heaven. We pray, Our Father who art in heaven, clearly because it says that God is a man and so men should be in charge of everything on earth. I'm just kidding. Uh, Some of you, uh, see if you're even listening yet in this sermon. I don't think, uh, 
I don't think that is why we pray, but that has been a hang-up for a lot of people over the years, is this gendering of God. Here we're one, two words into the prayer, and it's already like, wait a second, why do we have to label God a man? God of all the universe, this infinite creator, and we're going to give a gender to God? That seems a little not so helpful, right? So I think it's important to nod to that and acknowledge that, that no, I, I don't think that was Jesus's intention in calling God Father, to give a gender to God. That's not the, I think, goal of this. And I'll acknowledge it's not terribly helpful either. But I think there is a deeper meaning behind it, as well as just some background. For one, this comes from the first century in Israel and Palestine where it was a time where men were in charge of everything. And so in that time, to give God the male gender, people wouldn't have really batted an eye at it. They wouldn't have really thought twice. But I think what's going on here is a lot less to do with gender and more to the role as father. The role of father as the head of the household in that time. I think that's more what we're getting at here as God is being called father. Because in Jewish tradition, there was an understanding that God was the head of the earthly household. That God was the head of the whole earthly household. And so to refer to God as father was to say God of you know, all the earth being your household. Uh, there's Psalm, Psalm 50 that talks about, you know, we don't need to give all these great offerings to God. God doesn't need those because the whole world is God. This is from Psalm 50. It says, Every wild animal of the forest is mine, the cattle on thousands of hills. I know all the birds of the air and all that moves in the field is mine. God is the father or rather the head of the household. It's not a biological or gender kind of assignment. It's the idea that this world belongs to God and we're blessed to be a part of it and to live in it and to turn to God to trust that God will take care of our needs. Our Father who art in heaven, there is this notion of heaven as this other realm, but not only another realm. Because if you remember of Jesus' teaching, Jesus talks a lot about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God not as just a far-off future thing, but something here and now, something that Jesus came to bring about in our world here and now, a reality where things are as they should be. And Jesus calls us to be a part of that, a part of making this earthly realm, God's world here on earth, a place full of love, and peace and justice, a place where all genders are seen as equal, equal in their uniqueness. That's what I think of when I pray, Our Father who art in heaven. It's a lot bigger than just, Oh, you mean that guy with the big beard in the sky? No, uh, there's more to it than that. Our Father who art in heaven. I want to skip ahead a little bit in the prayer. Uh, like I said, we'll keep moving through it. The next phrase I want to uh, look at is, give us this day our daily bread. Um, now, I, I don't think this prayer is just talking about bread, right? We're not just going down to the bread store and purchasing some bread. Uh, give us this day our daily bread. Uh, I'm curious, how many of you went to Lutheran Confirmation and had to study Martin Luther's small catechism? Show of hands here. I had to, oh, boy. 
all the good memories you have of classes on Wednesday nights or maybe a Saturday morning where you had to memorize the small catechism. Well, for those of you who missed out on the privilege, uh, don't worry. Uh, I think, you know, we often teach middle school kids these things, and then by the time they're adults, they've forgotten them anyway. So uh, I want to just review it a little bit because what Martin Luther does is really interesting. This is this guy who uh, over 500 years ago wrote this book, the small catechism to teach people of faith about these core principles. He writes in here about the Ten Commandments, about the Apostles' Creed, about baptism, Holy Communion, and the Lord's Prayer, where he goes phrase by phrase, word by word, and digs into what it means. And so, uh, by chance, we happen to have a couple hundred copies of the small catechism right here in this room because it's printed in the red hymnal. Would you all want to grab a red hymnal and let's look and find it? You maybe didn't know this is there. If you find the red hymnal in front of you and you open to the very back, that's where the small catechism is printed on page in the back, the index pages, past the hymns and everything. 1,163 is the section of the small catechism that talks about uh, the Lord's Prayer. And so it's page 1,163, the tiny little numbers in the back of the book and tiny little print. So I hope you got your bifocals because uh, it, uh, it is little print. And so uh, the, the words are in there and it talks about the Lord's Prayer, uh, but just look at this daily bread section. You notice at the very bottom of, one, uh, of 1163, it's talking about daily bread. Now let's actually turn to the next page, to 1164, and that's where it gets this question, what then does daily bread mean? And I'm wondering if we could read this together. And for those at home who don't have uh, a red hymnal handy, we'll put it on the screen here as well. Let's read together. What then does this does daily bread mean together everything included in the necessities and nourishment for our bodies such as food drink clothing shoes house farm fields livestock money property an upright spouse upright children upright members of the household upright and faithful rulers good government good weather Peace, health, decency, honor, good friends, faithful neighbors, and the like. That's quite a list, isn't it? If you were just thinking about daily bread as like sourdough, pumpernickel, uh, rye, it's like there's a lot more here to it. And you could maybe even think of your own things to add to this list, this exhaustive list of all the things we need. I would maybe include health care on the list these days as well. I mean, there's all kinds of things that Martin Luther, when he sat down to think, okay, what are the basic things we need? It's more than just a meal on our plate. It's everything from uh, those kind of funny uprights, good upright children, upright spouses, you know, upright leaders. Um, all of those things, when we think about it, are really important to live a full, healthy, productive life. There are a lot of things needed for that. And so when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, boy, it's an exhaustive list of things that we're asking for. But that's exactly what Jesus is instructing us to do, to pray for these daily blessings and to recognize them as exactly that, as blessings.
You know, I think a part of how Jesus' Jewish audience would have also heard this part of the prayer, daily bread, would have been as a call back all the way to Moses in the Old Testament. If you remember the story of Moses, Moses leads the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt all the way to the promised land, but on the way they end up in the wilderness for like 40 years. And during that 40 years of wilderness wandering, uh, God helps them to learn that they can trust God. And one of the ways is by providing daily bread, by providing them this manna from heaven. So every morning when the people of Israel wake up, they go outside and the ground is covered with this thin layer of manna. The word manna literally means, what is it? So you can imagine, it was a very delicious, uh, tasty thing. And what it was, was we don't know exactly, but it was some kind of crummy bread-like substance that they could gather and cook with and eat. And it provided them the nutrition and the sustenance that they needed. But a part of the story is that God instructs them to collect only as much as they need for that one day. And if they collect more than that, it spoils. So if you grabbed a three portions instead of just the one that you need, it would just spoil and go rotten because God is wanting them to learn that they can trust God to provide daily bread. And so that was a core part of the Jewish faith and the, uh, and the understanding of the time was that we trust that God as head of household is providing for all of our needs. Now we can talk about wants as a whole other conversation, but our needs we pray for to be cared for. Give us this day our daily bread. Uh, you can read more in the small catechism if you want. Uh, it's, all, it's all in there. You can find it online as well. It really does go through every word of the prayer. But I want to skip next to this last part uh, for this morning here, what I'll talk about, which is forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Because I think we all want to be forgiven. We want to trust that God has forgiven us, that God's forgiveness truly is for us. We want to daily be reminded and believe that. But also, if we could be so bold, we'd also like the people in our lives who have wronged us to forgive us. That doesn't always happen, but boy, is it sure nice when it does. It goes a long ways. Jesus understands this about us and so encourages us to both pray for forgiveness but also to remind us to forgive one another as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's a calling for us to also forgive one another. It's like uh, the what I heard called as the golden rule when I was a kid. And you're maybe familiar with this as Jesus taught it in uh, Matthew chapter 7. said this, in everything you do to others, in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. Uh, the golden rule. Uh, we want to be forgiven, but often we uh, want to be forgiven in ways that we're not quite willing to forgive others. It's like when you're driving down the highway and someone cuts you off and you say, oh, you blankety-blank, how come you cut me off? And then someone, you know, one day you're not really paying attention, you accidentally kind of cut someone off and you're like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. You know, I, I just didn't see you there. I didn't see you in my mirror or whatever. We're good at extending grace to ourselves, but not always as good at extending that same grace to others. Jesus understands this about us, gets this about us, and instructs us to pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgive us our trespasses, so that when others trespass against us, 
we can be forgiven and forgiving of them. There's so much more that's in this prayer. We really could go just line by line. But I think the last idea I want to lift up and focus on is the notion that as we pray this prayer, we pray together here at church, but we also encourage you to pray it as individuals on your own. But whenever we pray it, you ever notice it's always in the plural? Our Father who art in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. This prayer is both personal but also communal. And I think that's a beautiful part of the Lord's Prayer is that we pray this prayer together even when we're not together. I think of times when we've been gathered for funerals and we have people who are deep in the depths of grief and just aren't able to speak those words when we pray them as a part of the service, but the rest of the congregation is there to pray them for and with those who are just unable to pray in that time. Or people who are having a, a, a time of doubt and not so sure what to believe or what to pray we continue as church to pray these words. So even as we gather here, we gather with Christians throughout the generations who have gathered together and on their own to pray this prayer for ourselves, for each other, and for the entire world. Our Father who art in heaven, we pray this prayer regularly to connect us to this body of Christ that extends way beyond just ourselves, ourselves, or even our community. It's the entire world. What a blessing to pray and to be a part of. We'll pray this as a part of Holy Communion, where we do celebrate being united as this body of Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us. You can find more information about Elk River Lutheran Church at our website, elkriverlutheran.org. And if you'd like to give to support this podcast and the other ministries of the church, just click that Give button at the top of the homepage. Thanks again, and have a great week. Don't take money, don't take fame, but it might just save your life to be powered by love.